As humans explore the depths of outer space, what will they eat for dinner? I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Sarah Kessens, Research Fellow at the University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. Welcome, Dr. Kessens. Thank you for having me. So what are your areas of contribution at the University of Canterbury, and how are you involved in producing food for space exploration? So I am a synthetic biologist, which basically means that I am uh, developing and designing new organisms for a whole host of things. So pharmaceuticals and agricultural products. And now we're getting into designing food for, uh, for off-planet habitation. I love it. Off-planet habitation. Okay. Um, what are some of the challenges that we face regarding food for space exploration? Um, so the challenges that are associated with food for, um, for off-Earth um, habitation are similar to actually some of the challenges that we have on Earth. Um, so obviously, um, you know, on Earth we do have limited resources, but when you get into space, um, that becomes uh, exponentially greater challenge. So really what we want to do when we're producing food in space is utilize our resources as efficiently as possible. Um, so obviously we're not going to have cows and chickens and, um, and apple trees up in space. So we have to develop organisms that can utilize the limited resources in space, whether that's, you know, on a, an orbiting station or whether that's on the moon or Mars as efficiently as possible. You know, one of the things that I've heard you reference is basically Andrew Weir's movie that he wrote, or the book that he wrote called The Martian. And we saw that with the character uh, in the movie. Um, in, in him trying to, to figure out how he's going to create food, but you go further than that. How can we use cellular chemistry and biology to address the challenges that we have with off-earth food? Absolutely. Um, so, so growing potatoes on Mars, uh, if that's all you have available, then, uh, then that's absolutely an option. Uh, it's, it is difficult because the soil on Mars is not actually conducive to agriculture. Um, so there's a lot of toxins and some nasty chemicals in there that, uh, that plants don't really like. And so it would actually be quite difficult if you're just trying to use the Martian soil uh, to grow plants. Um, but then again, when you're growing plants, there's a lot of inefficiencies in plants themselves. So things like lettuce would be great because most of the, the plant you can eat. Um, but again, when you think about, you know, apple trees or tomatoes or potatoes, you can't eat the majority of what's growing. And so that's using a lot of energy and resources um, that you can't actually eat. And so we take it one step further and we're developing cellular agriculture techniques that basically create organisms that you can eat the whole thing. So uh, things like cyanobacteria and fungi and yeasts and bacteria, which don't sound good right now, um, but that's what we're trying to do is basically make microorganisms taste good. Um, and, and so we're, we're manipulating the chemistry in those to, uh, to give them new flavors and textures and, uh, and to make them to be something that somebody would want to eat. Yeah, that really does not sound appealing at all, but it's very fascinating. And food, food is more than a sequence of chemicals that produce nutrition, aroma, flavor, and it has mass and texture. Where do the raw materials come from to recreate some of those extra things? Yes, so, um, so yes, very much food is, is a, uh, you know, a, a more, more than just the physiological aspects of it. It's the, the actual, the mental aspects, the social aspects, um, all of that. And actually, I mean, nature has a phenomenal toolbox for creating flavors and textures and nutrients. 
Um, it's, it's all just the, the basic building blocks of biology and chemistry um, that we get, you know, our flavors and textures from food here on Earth. Uh, but whereas, you know, some of the, the foods that we've been growing for the last tens of thousands of years, um, we've, we've developed those to, to grow best on Earth. Um, so really what we're doing is taking those, those natural flavors and textures um, and those, those building blocks that are already created in nature and putting those into new organisms. Um, so because DNA is a universal language, um, we can understand the genes that produce those textures and flavors and nutrients in some organisms um, and put those into other organisms. And that's a very simplistic view of it. It's actually quite difficult. Uh, but because DNA is a, a universal language, it is possible. And so we're using the tools of genetic engineering and synthetic biology. Um, that's what we're doing now. You talked about how it doesn't sound very appealing uh, to, to say, I'm going to chow down on some algae or, or whatever. But, you know, and I would say that surveys suggest almost half of the population already resists genetically modified foods. So how are the foods you describe different than the foods so many people already oppose? Uh, so that is a big challenge that we have with developing these foods um, is, again, sort of the, the social understanding of what we're trying to do. Um, and so some of the early techniques of genetic engineering uh, were creating foods that, that had a, a benefit not necessarily for the consumer. So for the farmer um, or for the person growing the crops. So uh, Roundup resistant um, corn is, is one of those. And then, you know, you get into the big agriculture and, uh, and, and herbicides and things that, you know, that, that weren't, weren't dealt with very well as from a PR aspect. Um, but really what you have to do is separate the science um, from the, you know, from, from all the rest of it. So the, the science itself uh, has actually been proven very safe. Um, we're actually able to manipulate organisms uh, much more precisely than we could with traditional uh, methods of breeding. And so really what we need to do as scientists is to, to let the public know exactly how we're doing this and what we're doing and how it will benefit them and, and the world, honestly, because a lot of the, the other projects that I have that are not related to space food, um, we're actually trying to mitigate climate change. And we're doing that with synthetic biology and genetic engineering. And so as scientists, what we really have to do is do a better job of, of communicating to the public what we're trying to do and how we're doing it and, uh, and how it's actually better than, than traditional methods. Uh, but we do understand that, that we have to, uh, have to, to get over that, that sort of PR hurdle as well. So where are we then with food research today? Um, it, it's just really fun. Um, so it's, it's a broad spectrum of, uh, of advances. So, I mean, you have, you know, some people working on traditional crops with traditional breeding, and we're, we're having a lot of advances there using uh, genetic techniques and not necessarily genetic engineering. Um, but we can do a lot of testing that we couldn't do just because we understand the genetics and the, the chemistry behind what's going on in those plants. Um, and so very much sort of a, a traditional breeding, traditional foods sort of a thing. Uh, but then you get into some of the really exciting advances right now with cellular agriculture, um, with, with plant-based meats, with uh, um, lab-based meats, things like that, um, alternative proteins, alternative flavors, alternative textures, microorganisms, insects. Um, it's just a really broad spectrum of things going on. Um, and uh, it's hard to, to pick a niche to get into because there's a lot of really cool things going on right now. Sounds like a great career field to be in, and certainly you're doing a lot besides developing food for off-Earth 
uh, consumption. Dr. Sarah Kessens, Research Fellow at University of Canterbury in Christchurch, New Zealand. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to find out more about this work, how can they do that? Uh, so they can connect with me on LinkedIn. So Sarah Kessens, K-E-S-S-A-N-S -S -S on LinkedIn or find me at the University of Canterbury's homepage. Sounds great. Thanks again, Sarah. And if you Thank guys you. want to find more of my interviews, you can do that right here or go to tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.